You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. For the word we're going to read today. So, Father, we thank you for your word because it is alive and it is active. And when we read the word, everything changes. We change inside, the atmosphere changes outside, everything changes because your word is alive and it's active. So, thank you for the word. Thank you for what you have for us today uh, through your word. And we just thank you, Lord, that. It is a deposit within us that will water, it will grow, it will become life coming out of us, it will saturate us. God, your word is beautiful. And we just thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. This morning, I'm going to talk about the revival mindset. Last week, we talked about revival and hearing the sound of revival. And when we hear the sound, In our spirit, it prepares us to go ahead. It prepares us for what is coming. And I want to talk about it a little bit in a a little different framework. And I'm going to start with a little story. Like I said, today, I'm just going to kind of talk. And we're going to read the word, and I'm going to talk. And we'll see what God wants to do with the word. Um, But this past week, I was playing tennis. Someone called and said, could you fill in? Could you sub? I'm like, yeah. And I don't know any of the people we played with. They, they had four courts. I didn't know any of them. And um, as it turned out, that day I had to pick up my granddaughter suddenly from uh, school. I'd worked all day. Uh, by the time I got her home, got turned around, passed her off to Chuck to get her fed, I had to go. So I'm running onto the court, and I'm ready. When I move into my tennis mode, there is nothing else. My brain checks out. I am no longer anywhere else. I don't think about anything 99% of the time uh, but tennis. How am I going to win that game? How am I going to beat the tar out of these people? That's really all I think about. (laughs) And I know, you know, some people think, where is the, you know, the fellowship and the fun? No, that's not why I play tennis. I play because it makes me feel good. It makes me uh, be precise. You know, it just gives me something that I need. I'm very competitive when it comes to tennis. I don't know how to play fun tennis. So if you play with me, understand it won't be fun. (laughs) I just know, I know that sounds weird, but if I'm playing social tennis, I might as well just not show up because I actually don't know how to just kind of pop the ball back. It's either, it's either all or nothing for me. And that's really my life. I, it's either all or nothing, whatever I'm doing. So I'm playing, and the, I get, they just give you a partner. I didn't know any of them. She comes up to me, and she goes, uh, I might miss the ball some. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I didn't really know what to say. She says, I have a little blind spot in my peripheral vision, so it may go past me, and I won't hit it because I actually don't see it. I just took a deep breath. I'm like, you know, I have no, I have no uh, money in the game. I'm just here to fill in. And, 
And um, so, you know, I'm playing, and I, I'm kind of thinking about it. She's a good player, so I, I didn't even notice that part of it. And when we switch sides, it's about a minute. You know, we, we, we switch on odds. And we're about a minute, maybe. And so as we're walking, she says, and I have, and she lists out all the things that were wrong with her. And I'm thinking, I'm playing tennis. <laughs> And I know that sounds weird, but my, my brain all of a sudden starts shifting, trying to figure out what am I supposed to do with all this information while I'm running to the other side to get ready to receive the ball. And I'm looking at her and my mind is boggled. And uh, we just keep playing, keep playing, keep playing. And I go home you know, after we get done, I go home and uh, I'm thinking, Lord, I don't know what happened, but I just could not get shifted. I could not. And plus it was quick. It was fast, you know, and I'm thinking about her the whole time, and I got her phone number, and we're going to meet up next week and everything, because all I could think of going home was she needed an encounter with Jesus. I don't know if she knew Jesus or not. I don't have any idea, but I could not get my uh, gears shifted fast enough um, to um, stop the play. Let's have revival right here on the tennis court. I thought of that afterwards. You know, do you ever encounter situations, and then two days later you're thinking, Oh, I know what I should have done. But, you know, you sometimes you're not always in that mode of shifting. And I was, you know, I was kind of talking to the Lord about it. And I was thinking, okay, Lord, you know, I want my mindset to be revival oriented, regardless of what I'm doing. Like when I'm working with my business clients, I'm not thinking about the next best shot in tennis. You know, when I'm playing with my grandkids, I'm not thinking about my business clients. You know, it's very, you know, when we're doing one thing, I'm all in for that one thing. But I was talking to the Lord about how do I shift my mindset where everything that I'm doing is filtered through the understanding that I am the encounter of Jesus that they may need. Right? Right? And, you know, when we think of revival as a church setting, we think of groups getting together and healing happening and people getting saved. We know we think of it more as a gathering event. But when Jesus thought of revival, it was a lifestyle. As he encountered people, He didn't say, let's all get together and we're going to do some miracles. We're going to do some healing. We're going to worship and all that. As he encountered people, he saw what they needed and then revived them to the place they needed to be. Right? So, we, you know, we've got two concepts of revival. We've got, you know, the big tent revival and all that type of thing, the gathering revival. But... We as representatives, as carriers of his presence, we are an extension of revival for that, inter- that individual that we encounter. So let's read the word a little. I want to talk about this a little bit because um, we, I want God to change my mindset. I want my mindset to be filtered through whoever he brings my way, whether it's on the tennis court or in the grocery store or my grandkids, whatever it is, whoever he brings my way, that I am going to provide 
them an opportunity to encounter him. That's what I want. And, um, you know, I didn't realize that that was something I'd thought about in that specific way until that happened the other night. Because I couldn't quite get my mind shifted off of killing the opponents <laughs> in order to release revival to this person. And I know, you know, we all have it. I, I know I'm not the only one that struggles with that. But I, but I was. The next morning I was thinking, Lord, did I miss something? And it was, he was like, it's not about missing something. It's about understanding what, what happened and understanding what needs to be shifted. And I've been reading through Matthew, and we're going to read Matthew. I think we're going to start in Matthew something. Um, let me look. I think it's Matthew 9 is where we're going to start. Yeah, Matthew 9. And as I was reading through it, I realized that Jesus provided the opportunity for everyone he encountered to be changed. Now, whether they chose it or not, that's a, that's a completely different subject. So we're not going to spend any time on that. But he was the change agent for whoever encountered him. And really, we should be the change agent for Jesus in whoever we encounter. I mean, I mean that is kind of like Jesus 101. But sometimes it's hard to get it all accumulated in our brain and, and uh, filed and sorted and all those different things so it becomes natural to who we are. It's, a, it's an automatic filtering instead of us having to think three days later, huh, I wonder what I could have done different. Maybe I can get her numbers, which I did, and so we'll see how that goes. But, but uh, I, want, I want us to really, we're going to go after God. We're going to ask him to shift our minds uh, for whoever wants to. You don't have to, of course, if you don't want to. But uh, Matthew 9, we're going to start in verse 1. Like I said, we're just going to read the word a little bit. Oh, so he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? So instead of seeing the opportunity that Jesus was offering the scribes by witnessing what he was doing to the paralytic, what they saw was an opposition to who they were. And, you know, there's going to be people that aren't going to jump up and down when we say, have you encountered Jesus? Or they're going to have some other thought process of it. Verse 4, it says, But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Oh, I already read this. For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or say, Arise and walk? but that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. 
And he arose and departed to his house. Now, when the multitude saw it, they marveled and they glorified God who had given such power to a man. I mean, to men. As Jesus, verse 9, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he rose and followed him. Now it happened, as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to the, his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Yeah, as I was thinking and kind of praying about this, we have people who are coming for possibility. Here's the paralytic. His friends are bringing him because something's possible. They wouldn't come unless they knew something was possible. Then we have the opposition who, regardless of what opportunity Jesus offers them, they will never receive it. They will push back because their hearts are hardened toward a preconceived thought process that keeps them from encountering their true Messiah. And when we think about it, our, our minds get hardened toward preconception. We get a thought process of how it should work or how it should look or what it should do. Uh, so it blocks us from actually seeing what God is trying to do, from receiving what God has for us. And so what does God do? He will help us unlock ourselves from what's preconceived. He will help us release and have freedom from a determined outcome that we have decided that may not be his best. You know, sometimes we have it all figured out. Okay, God, this is all you need to do. Let me explain it to you. We have all done it. We want to help Jesus be Jesus because he's made us partners with him. It's kind of like our helpmates. We like to help them be themselves, right? But, uh, you know, really when you think about it, we do have preconceived notions of what our encounters with God supposed to look like. We have preconceived notions of how he's going to heal somebody, how he's going to bring our family to Christ, how he's going to, you know, we have notions of how it's going to look like. And many times that blocks us from being part of the facilitators of what he wants to do. Because when we have it in our brain, it must look like this. Then when it looks like something else, we actually miss what he's doing because it doesn't look like what we thought it was going to look like. And, you know, it's funny because I did think about, well, you know, afterwards, you know, once my brain quit playing tennis, afterwards I started thinking about, well, what if this had happened? And what if that had happened? You know, the what ifs are the what ifs. But uh, it just helps us sometimes think about maybe next time I'd be more prepared, more aware or something like that. But so many times God's best looks so different 
than what we think it should look like. It looks so different than what we think it should look like. And it's interesting because his best is always what we get. We never get second best. He never just throws us a bone just to keep us satisfied for a while. When he gives, he gives it all, and he gives his best to us. So when we're thinking about switching our mindset, uh, Gene had shared that word earlier. Earlier when we were praying uh, before service, the theme was that God wanted to do something for all of us. It wasn't specified to healing or finances or anything. He just wanted to do something for all of us. And, uh, and I was even telling him before service that I felt like when we're challenged with things, it gives us an opportunity for promotion. When, when we're challenged with things like that I encountered, and I know you guys encounter different things, it gives us an opportunity for God to open up our perspective, open up our understanding so that we can grow into a bigger arena with him. You know, you think about when, you, when I first started working, uh, you start at the bottom of the ladder. And then as you go and give your best and commit to what they're doing, you begin to get promoted up the ladder. With God, we start at the very basics. We begin learning and those type of things. And as we press into who he is, there's an expansion of what we're able to understand, what we're able to do, what we're able to manifest of the kingdom. And it keeps growing and growing because our mind is transformed into what he looks like, not what we look like. Amen. You know, not the mini Jesus Cindy, you know. <laughs> I know that sounds funny, but it is true. We, we, definitely, we definitely have that. I'm going to turn to chapter 10, verse 1. And I want to talk a little bit about what does it take to shift our mindset. So 10, verse 1, Matthew, it says, and when he... Uh, had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits. Say, I have power over unclean spirits. To cast them out. To heal all kinds of sicknesses. And all kinds of disease. So we have that power, right? Verse 5, it says, These 12 Jesus sent out, and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leopards, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So when we think about where is our realm of influence? It's wherever we go. Wherever we go. He told them, when you go, this is who I'm sending you to. Well, we are positioned where we live right now is where we are. That's where God has sent us. That's where he's planted us. So wherever we go, whoever we encounter, we have the ability to heal the sick, cleanse the leopards, raise the dead, cast out demons, 
because freely we have received it, so freely we give it. So we have everything we need to bring revival to the person that's in front of us because this is where God has planted us. So we don't have to worry about, are we in the right place? We don't have to worry about, is that person my person? Because whoever comes before you is your person. Because you've been given everything they need to have an encounter with Jesus. Everything. You've been given everything they need. Now, their choice is whether to receive it or not. We don't have any control over whether to receive it or not, whether they receive it or not. And it's interesting, when Jesus encountered different people, sometimes he healed them, sometimes he delivered them. He just saw what they needed at that moment, and that's what he released. Sometimes they asked him questions. If you're willing, he's like, yep, I'm willing. The centurion, you don't have to come to my house. Just say the word. And he sent the word. Sometimes we just have to send the word. I'm sending the word. And with the word comes the authority to bring healing, to bring financial breakthrough for you, to bring an encounter with Jesus. Because he lives in me, and I have the power to release him so you can encounter him. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? Okay, go throw us out in the streets and let's give it a try. But, you know, sometimes what happens is our mind gets compartmentalized. We're, we're thinking about something else. And, and, and then this opportunity comes in, and it hits that, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. And it doesn't always penetrate all the way through where you're like, oh, let me stop and, and take a breath and see what Jesus wants to do here. And that's where I feel like God wants to give us a mind shift. He wants to shift us from the thought of giant revival, which is happening across the world. It is. It's happening across the world to we carry the ability to revive an individual by releasing an encounter with Jesus to them. And it's in whatever they need. They may need a word of encouragement. It may not be some big manifestation of a miracle or, you know, money falling from the sky. It may just need, they may just need a word of encouragement. They, they may need a ride to the store. They may need healing over their body. Whatever they need, Jesus has it for them. And he's given it to us to be the distributors. And I believe that God wants to help shift our mind where we know that we're spirit to spirit connected. We know that. But he, he wants to help shift our mind where everything's filtered through reviving the person or the people that are in front of us as we are in our little compartmentalization of whatever task we're doing. 
So everything's filtered through. I keep seeing these uh, Swiss cheese. You know how it has the whole, little holes in it? Well, the Swiss cheese is kind of like what we're doing at that moment. And the little holes is this revival mindset that always keeps the fluidness of Jesus running through us. So we can still be all in and all focused and all one in what we're doing because we have the flow, the oil of the Spirit just going through us in order for us to be able to do both at the same time, that He is our filter first. I want to turn to one other scripture, and it's uh, Acts 9, and then we're going to start in verse 10. Because this is not something where we just turn off and on. You know, we're asking Jesus to turn it on in us, and then we're going to have to practice and have some experience in making it permanent. You know, when you go to run, Gene's starting to get ready to run a, a 5K, right? So when he went to start training, he didn't try to run a 5K the very first day. He had to practice. He had to build up. He had to get his body, his muscle memory ready. So when he started that trek, his muscles kicked in because they're like, oh, we've done this before. And the more he does it, the muscles are much easier. They're more fluid. Oh, we've done this before. Oh, we've done this before. And that's how we get this cemented into us. Because we every day I woke up, I was like, okay, God, fix my mind so I am filtering the revival mindset first in everything I do, in everything I do. Fix, fix me. So I'm going to continue to pray that and declare that over me until it becomes so permeated within me. Because I know I have the ability, right? right? We have the ability to do that. Jesus says we have the ability. So we, so we have the ability to do it. So now we have to train our whole body, our mind, our spirit, our soul, all to do that, to filter through that so we can, so we can get there. Um, where am I going to go? I'm going to go to Matthew 9. Let me turn there real quick. Uh, verse, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Acts 9, verse 10. So uh, Saul has had an encounter with Jesus on the road of Damascus, but I want to talk about Ananias. Because this is a good example of a shift. Verse 10, it says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, he said, Here I am, Lord. We've all said that. Here I am. Choose me. Use me. But Ananias says, Not for this. <laughs> right? Verse 11, it says, So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas. For one called Saul of Taurus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And this is where we're learning the shift. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has had authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So he's like, okay, God, I hear what you're saying. But my mind 
isn't thinking I'm being sent to revive him. My mind is thinking he's probably going to kill me. If not, he's going to put me in prison, you know, because that's the reality. It wasn't that it wasn't true because that's what he knew. That was the reality that he had. But in order for everything to keep motion, keep the momentum going for, uh, for Saul, Ananias had, he had to go. He had to. 15, it says, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. Amen. Amen. So I want to pray for us because I want us to have a mind shift. I want us to have a mind shift like Jesus, that every person, I actually did an outline of uh, chapters 8 through 10 um, in Matthew. Every person he encountered, he revived them. And I'm just going to read down the list. I'm not going to read all the scriptures. Chapter 8, cleanse the leopard. Healed the centurion's servant. Healed Peter's mother-in-law. Many were brought to him, sick and demon-possessed. He healed them all. He commanded the winds and the waves to obey. The ruler's daughter died. He brought her to life. Woman with the issue of blood. He healed her. Two blind men healed. Mute spoke. He gave them exactly what they needed to revive them. He offered them an opportunity to have an encounter with him that would change their lives forever. Whether it was healing, whether it was forgiving them, whatever it was, he said, here's your opportunity to encounter the only one who can transform you. I want us to think like that. That everywhere we go, we are prepared for the opportunity that Jesus has given us so they can encounter him through us and receive the revival they need in order to move forward in their relationship with God, yeah. right? Yeah. And it doesn't matter if they're saved or unsaved. We all at different times in our journey with Jesus, we need reviving. Yeah. We need clarity. We need healing. We need a word spoken just like we did during worship. We need a word spoken to us in due season. A saved person needs to encounter Jesus, and he may need to encounter them by being healed. He may need to encounter him by being fed. But Jesus has prepared us to do this. Everything we need. We just read it in, in uh, Matthew 10, that we've been given everything we need. And it goes on in Matthew 10 to say, don't worry about whether you have money or food, because all of it will be provided. And if somebody doesn't want what you have, then just keep moving, right? So I want to pray for us to have a shift in our mindset. I'm going to ask you guys to stand, if you will. I want us to have a shift in our mindset where we are 
the opportunity Jesus is going to use to revive people, regardless of when it is. So just put your hands on your head. Woo. <laughs> Jesus, we just thank you that you give us the opportunity to minister to others. And right now, I am asking you, and, and we are agreeing together that we want a mind shift. We want us to be like that Swiss cheese where we have all the openings for you, Holy Spirit, to give us that ability to identify and release an encounter with Jesus that will revive someone into a relationship, that will revive their health. You know, your word says, beloved, I want you to prosper and be of good health just as your soul prosper. That wholeness, Lord. So we want our minds to be revival-oriented. In everything we do, that it goes through the revival filter of what do they need to be revived in encountering Jesus to change their lives. So, Father, that is a prayer of ours, and it is a uh, request that you just, um, I said it's not a flipping on a switch, but God, I'm asking you to flip on our switch, that as we go, there will be such a connection, such a revelation with how that works in each of our lives. We all think differently. We all process differently. So, Lord, just give us that opportunity today, even as we go, to be the encounter for someone so you can revive them. Lord, we want revival not only to be in a gathering, but to be everywhere we go. That people are healed, people are saved, that uh, all disease and afflictions are gone. That all demonic has to leave because they've had an encounter with you. Let us be the, the pouring out, the outpouring that you have for them. So, Lord, we just thank you that as we ask, what happens is it opens up our ability to understand and receive. And our minds will be shifted. Our minds will be changed. We will see ourselves begin to think differently while we work, while we play with our kids, while we play with our grandkids, while we do the things that we love, even uh, going to the store, Lord, our minds will shift so that when we look, we look with the possibility of reviving, reviving hearts, reviving bodies, reviving souls to you, Jesus. And we just thank you, God, that you are a God of yes and amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.